All right, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, James the Man Sanchez, back at it again with another episode of the Unfiltered Podcast. So today, I have another guest. Um, it's my boy, Nate. Uh, we've been friends since uh, seventh grade, about? About seventh grade. Yeah, seventh grade. Um, it's, it's a, that's a long time. It's a real long time. Yeah. Um, so about seventh grade just made my back hurt. I was going to say seventh grade because what? we I graduated 10 years ago. So that's what? Yeah, so you were you were two years ahead of me, so yeah, it's it's been some time since we've been friends. So um, heads up for everybody listening, it is gonna sound a little bit different. That's because I'm actually uh, video calling him from Las Vegas. He's in you're in Arizona, right? Yeah, Tempe, Arizona. Tempe, Arizona. So I'm trying this new thing. So bear with me until I fine tune it. Um, at this point, we're just gonna go ahead and catch up for a little bit and then get into the shits. So how you been, man? I've been good, bro. You know, uh, trying to be family guy right here. You know, I got my three kids. Oh, uh, two two boys, right? Two boys and one girl, or three? Yeah, two boys and one girl. My boys. Uh, I got twin boys. They're five. Okay. And my daughter is three. And I've already bought enough guns for all three of them, so we good on quarantine. There That's you go. Me. Yeah, I was I was thinking about doing that too. Actually, uh, my brother he he brought it up the last time he was um, he was on the podcast. So I was just wondering what was the decision behind that. Uh, well, I was going to buy a gun for my daughter, regardless, because I'm that dad. But um, yeah, but I'm not talking about. I mean, I do live in an open carry state. I don't, I don't remember if Arizona, if uh, Nevada is an open carry state. I believe um, so. But um, I don't plan on walking around with a gun on my waist. Like, that's not that's not cool. I don't find that attractive at all. So I just wanted something to protect the house. Um, so I have something to protect the house. Okay. So, so that's, that's there you go. Really awesome. Yeah, that's 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 the same pro- uh, thought process for me. Was was thinking about that. Um, Nevada is not too crazy. It is an open carry, so it's not that big of a deal for me to carry. I don't want to. I don't really find the need to carry outside of the house. It's just basically for self-defense protection in the house, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking so, I'm thinking I might do that. But you never know. I don't know. I've been thinking about it for a while, and I still haven't done anything about it. So we'll see. I just got one. So it's, oh, not okay. like, it's not like something. Like, I thought about it. It took me a while to think about it. And even still, like, it's up and away. And, like, because, you know, I've heard too many things with kids and, I was like, I'll, I'll put mine up in the way I can barely get to it in time. So it's kind of counterproductive. It's yeah. all locked up in a way I can't really get to it for a good couple of minutes if somebody come in. But I just, I'd rather keep my kids protected from it as well. So that's the whole other particular, you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I get you. I get you on that. Um, shit, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. How, how much was it? How much did you pay? It was a couple hundred bucks. It wasn't too much. Uh, I got it. Uh, I went with a with a police officer friend of mine. Well, ex police officer friend of mine. Um, he was in the he was in the uh, he was going to school to become a police officer. I don't know what it's called, but um, he was doing that. And he said he could get a discount on things like that. So I went with him, and we got it from a legit spot over in Arizona. Uh, okay. Spot. And uh, that way we. That way I can get that and kind of not have to spend an arm and a leg. But I got it maybe, I got it some months ago, some months ago, almost a year ago. And uh, it's, it's like I said, I had it all put away. I got a case for it and all that stuff. I was locked up in the closet. But, but yeah, it wasn't too much. It was like maybe three, maybe about 300 bucks. Okay. No, I'll have to save up then. Um. I hate talking about the coronavirus and whatnot, but how how you guys doing out there? Y'all y'all staying all right? How's how's that going? It's all good. Uh, I don't know if you've heard any of the news for Arizona, but they're trying to do a a uh, like a stay in place initiative here in Arizona, where they're trying to keep everybody in the house. Um, it hasn't been. It's supposed to be put into effect today. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm still doing. Search on it because 
I need to know what what I can and can't do once that really goes down. Yeah. But it's a it's an interesting thing. We're trying to stay stocked. Um, uh, I saw this site where you can um, send an email uh, and kind of get food prep or like like meal prep kind of started so you can see what what you have, like what meals you can make and things like that. Okay. Uh, just to kind of keep up with stuff and make sure I'm not, you know, make sure we're not hungry when I just keep ourselves out of house and home, depending on how long we're going to be in the situation, which south a couple of months. Um, also, the my kids get to stay at home until, well, they canceled the rest of the school year for kids. Wow. So the whole, the yeah. whole school year is, is done. Yeah, whole school year is done for everybody, everybody in the state. So it's a, it's an interesting process. You know, I don't call it homeschooling. I call it crisis schooling. But crisis schooling our kids because homeschool is a completely different thing. It takes a whole lot more. Um, but we're trying to do the best we can with the kids and all that stuff. It's just crazy. Trying to make sure that uh, we're all good at the house and my wife is all good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. Um, yeah, I, I can't even imagine how it would be with with having kids being out of the out of school because I feel like for a lot of people that's something that like that's where it's almost like a daycare it's almost you know somewhere safe where your kids can be for like up to eight hours of the day you know usually a shift of work or whatever it may be you know mm-hmm. and yeah, so it's, um, it's it's interesting it's an interesting way to think and like so one thing that me and my wife were talking about a lot with this kind of situation is that. If you're going to keep the kids at, if you're going to keep the kids at home, then someone needs to be home to watch the kids. Yeah. Which means that, especially since the norm now in this society, a two-parent household, both parents work. You know, it's not typical for only one parent to work. Yeah. Excuse me. Too much gas from this beer. Uh, but uh, it's not typical for only one parent to work in the household. So then, with most rental properties and things like that still looking for where that rent is coming from how is it expected that things are going to get paid and paid on time if the majority of individuals in this country don't have a savings you know what i mean yeah. they don't have saved up because uh, i'm only mentioning this because i remember something you said on on a couple podcasts before um but you know it's you know, for people that don't have a savings, for people that they're barely making it paycheck to paycheck, if you're taking away one of those incomes, then how do you expect rent to get paid next month? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I for sure get that because um, my my apartments said to call them up and try to make a payment arrangement, whatever it may be, um, for the next month coming up to let them know. But I feel like all this stuff is just going to have to get paid back eventually. It's not like a, all right, don't worry about rent at all. Like, this month coming up, you're good. Like, all of May, you don't have to worry about May rent at all. You're good. Because April's already getting paid for. It's May that's going to be the, the next one that's coming up, you know. So, um, I think that's something that, at this point, I think people need to just understand that it's just going to be a loss. It's just, people got to understand, all right, bills are not going to be paid if, if, like, a whole entire city shut down, you know? Yeah, I had to talk to my, uh, I had to talk to Sprint on my phone bill, because I was like, uh, you can't cut my phone off. I don't have an income. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not my fault, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, like, you know, you can't just cut everybody's stuff off. I know uh, energy companies and uh, water companies and stuff like that have decided not to cut off uh, those amenities yet uh, because of what's going on. Yeah. So we've at least gotten it that far. Uh, but I think it's just, I'm it's slow, but else. slowly, but surely getting, getting there, you know, mm-hmm. slowly, but surely going to get there. Um, cause yeah, the same, the same with the energies, energy companies <laughs> over here. We haven't, they said that you're good. You don't have to worry about it. Obviously let them know. So that way they're understanding and they'll be all right. Yep. Yep. Well, so, yeah. so, so um, I'm gonna switch from from the corona. I feel like that's just been. Uh, do you ever get sick of it? Like, do you just get sick of like looking at everything and hearing about it all the time, like nonstop, especially because of the quarantine? Yeah, I'm tired of talking about corona, bro. Like, okay. there's so much. There's so much other stuff to talk about. Like, like there's 
like even other serious situations that's going on. But like there's there's more to talk about. That's why I try to stay in my I try to stay in my arts and stay in my writing and you know I try to stay on my on my uh, creative side so that way I can focus on on that stuff and I can see you know when I look back at this time uh, with my writing I can see how situations like this affected that but I definitely like you're not going to see me write a story about coronavirus I'm not going to it's not going to come out yeah. it might if someone convinces me and pays me enough but, uh, <laughs> but you're not going to see me uh, you're not going to see me willingly write a, a story about coronavirus it's not going to happen speaking of stories you um, how long has your book been out for uh, my book has been out for a little over two years. Okay. Uh, yeah, last last month it had been out for two years. It's on Amazon, uh, Indecent Exposure, uh, a collection of flash fiction and poetry uh, that was uh, that was published in 2018, uh, and I have been trying to push it ever since because you know I love it. It's my baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. I um, I ended up getting the copy. Um, I want to say two two weeks ago when you when you plugged it in, um, sure. on the flash, uh, flash Friday or whatever, mm-hmm. and so I ended up getting that um, for all my listeners, the people that you um, that are listening to me. I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's it's a it's a good body of work to be honest. Um, I was telling Nathan that when I read it, I had to read it over again just to make sure I didn't miss out on anything. And it was it was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, he mixed in his stories with also poetry, which was kind of good. So I like that as well. Um, so if you're into that type of stuff, I would definitely recommend getting it. Um, a big thing. Sorry, I'm burping too. I'm a, bi- <laughs> a big thing that uh, Nate said was that you know we should basically start supporting our friends and and people that we know. We should support their businesses more. Um, and so. I went ahead, and I've, I, this is not the first person I supported, but I would definitely, if I can, plug more people in um, and get that going because I like it. It was it was really good, really good uh, piece of work. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate the love. Um, it's this book was years in the making. Like it, I started writing pieces of this back in high school, so it was it was like you know I wrote a story, wrote a story here, wrote a story there, and. I didn't think anything of it at the time. It was just poetry and, and pieces that I was writing and, you know, or a set, even just a sentence that I thought was interesting. That mm-hmm. I thought just the way the words were strung together was an interesting way to string words together. And I decided, you know, I'll just write things down and who knows what will come of it. I wasn't really planning on writing a book until uh, a good friend of mine, another writing friend of mine, uh, inspired me to publish uh, he kind of, he had uh, about, at the time he had seven books on Amazon within a year. And then uh, now I think it's up to 12 uh, that he's written so far. And he was telling me, you know, if you're going to do it, just do it. Don't, don't worry about, the, you know, at first, don't worry about the readers. Don't worry about, you know, how you're going to publish it or how you're going to make money. Publish the work so that somebody can hear it. Somebody can hear your voice. So I was like, forget it. I'll just put it out there. So I, I went through the process of getting it kind of in format. I went and sat and uh, learned how to self-publish and put it out there and said, here it goes. Now I'm working on book two, three, and four. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Hey, like the grind? Keep that shit up. Always. Yeah. Um. So for, okay, so I don't really think I'm a very creative person. Um, That's a lot. In, what's that? That's a lie. You have a podcast. Yeah, but it's it's. I feel like I'm not very. Uh, what's the word? Um, like, um, fuck, can't think of the word right now. But basically, like, I don't think like I actively am creative. Like, this is just off the cuff. This is just off the top. You know, it's not like I plan most of the podcast episodes. It's usually just whatever happens happens, right? Mm-hmm. So. As somebody who's not actively, at least I don't think, actively creative, during these times, how do you, how would you say that your creativity um, has, how would you, I guess, what, what tips would you give to somebody if they're in quarantine and they got nothing else to do? And how do you, I guess, basically, it's two parts. How do you basically, one, cultivate that, you know, and then also, 
how would you suggest people get into that? Um, so basically, uh, like I was saying, uh, just kind of two parts. Don't worry about what people are like. Don't worry about what people think about your writing. That's going to deter you from doing anything. You're not going to get anything done. But at the same time, write for the people. Write for your listeners. Write for your your audience. Because then you get those folks. Uh, then you're, you're focusing on people reading it and people listening to your voice. And I think that's important. That's a, that's a really important portion of writing. Uh, you don't write for yourself. I don't write for myself. I write for for folks to read. That's kind of the most important part. If I don't write for anybody else, then I'm writing for myself, and I'm not really into reading my writing forever. <laughs> I like the way I write. I like the stories I've written, but I'm writing for everyone else. I want other people to like them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the point, the point of it all, you know, don't write. Uh, don't write for the criticism, write for the readers. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. It might make sense. It it does. Um, just because, uh, I guess for me, when I put out like the podcast, I think that for me, I don't like this. It's one thing that I really had to learn is like listening back to myself. Just, I have to like listen over and make sure it sounds good. One, but also two, if I don't like the way it sounds, like if it's not feeling one natural or organic, then I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta redo this over and, and make it feel better just because I don't like to feel like things are forced, but, yeah. it, but it also comes back to the whole entire thing of writing for, or doing it for other people. Like I'm not doing this podcast for myself necessarily. Like it partially I am just to go ahead and have something to do and to get me through things. But also it's mostly for, for the people who are listening as well, the audience, you know? So it's like I kind of yeah. I get I gotta get where you're coming from. Yeah, like for instance, like back when we were in, uh, since we since we can go back that far, uh, back when we were sitting on the bus going to Upward Bound, and I would freaking do those weird ass rap songs. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> that. About baskets and shit, but like I but forgot like, about yeah, that, like, <laughs> bro. Like, bro, trips to Upward Bound it was what me, you, and Jess always sitting together on the bus. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> like those stupid, those stupid raps we would rap on the way. Like it was, and it was usually always the same one because it was hilarious. But like even then, like it wasn't. Those weren't for me to laugh. They were for other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's same. I'm out of beer. I'm upset now. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. It's, concept bro like it's we we write you know for for our listeners we write for our for our people that we want to read and like even this book for example i wrote that book with my mom in mind so uh even though like some of those stories i don't know if i want want her to read necessarily but uh i wrote that with my mom in mind like folks that ride the bus to work and you know they don't want to miss a bus stop you know stuff like that i wrote i wrote the reason on the back of the book, if anybody if anybody purchases the book, uh, you can kind of get the breakdown of what the book is and why the book is. Uh, but I write it for the folks that are in a rush, the, the folks that don't get a full lunch break, you know, the folks that, you know, got to ride the bus, you know, a couple hours to get to work. Yeah. So that way they can read and kind of lose themselves for a minute without having to worry about them missing their bus stop or being back to work too late or getting hounded by their boss or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, it's for us, and it's short for us. Uh, now, my next book is, is short-ish. It's still a little longer. The chapters are pretty short uh, for the same exact reason. Uh, it's it's written that way for folks that don't have time to delve into a full novel, you know, a full epic. Not, not knocking ep- epics and novels, longer novels and things like that. Uh, because I think those are beautiful. I've written, I've read of long novels and epics and things like that. You know, the Lord that shit, and those are real. Those are really cool reads, especially when you have the time to do it. But I'm writing for people that don't. I think you those I mean? lo- those long reads serve their purpose. Like each each yes. each type of like so for your short your shorter versions are good. It serves its purpose for that. 
versus like the Lord of the Rings, the the Harry Potters, the long books. Those serve its purpose. It's great, but um, it affords the writer to be that descriptive, to to go deeper in the story. I guess you know. But I think I appreciate the the fact that yours are are short because in that that um, in that window that you're giving yourself, you're able to still go ahead and paint the picture of what it is that you're trying to to, to basically get out. You know. For sure, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, because I, I was reading them and it, it's it's cool. It's I was thinking it's crazy how the mind will put yourself into whatever it is you're reading. Does that make sense? So, like for example, the um the the very first story, what was it called? Give me a second. I think I have it here. the The very first story that you put out was um lying. It was it no, not lying in bed with you. It was another one. I don't Can't have the. Lie. Yeah, tan line, tan line. Um, I was reading that, and it's weird because I was basically starting to go ahead and, and picture myself into that into that setting, whatever it is that you were, wherever that was that you had in mind. I don't know if it was the same place, but I was able to go ahead and read that, and from that, make up my own settings and surroundings. It's weird, yeah. And I think that's the crazy part about writing is like that. Where that as people were able to do that. But as writers, I, I appreciate them more because they're able to, I guess that's the reason why you would read, is to go ahead and be transported from somewhere that you're already at physically into somewhere that this, this writer's taking you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it makes perfect sense. Like, it's, the whole point of, of writing and being descriptive as a writer is to be able to take, either take yourself, like, because, I mean, as I write, I take myself from my current state but being able to take the person the reader to a different place you know pick them up and out of you know whatever the things that they're dealing with whatever bullshit or or even if it's not crazy stuff you know what i mean yeah but being able to pick them up and transport them to somewhere where they can where they can envision themselves as someone else whether that's good or bad now tan line of course isn't the most happiest of stories it's actually kind of trifling in a way but it's um it's written that way in order to make the reader feel a certain way to bring that emotion out of someone yeah you know to think oh if i was in this situation you know would i act the same would i react the same would i would, how would i how would i treat that other person that i'm in the same room with you know if i'm in the same situation yeah. and uh, it's an interesting uh, and it's it's the reason I write because I like transporting someone to something else and make them feel some make them feel some type of way without thinking of a better way to say it. But I like making people feel some type. It's a it's a good way to feel, even if it's angry. I love. I want someone to read something I I've written and come to me and be like, "Why would you write this bullshit? Like, what? Well, why would you? Why would you do that? Like, why would you do that to this person? That's that's fucked up." So I think that's a. Um, that's a great way to write to bring someone's emotions out. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I definitely. Yeah, I like I like a lot of the stuff that you put out there. Um, I'm Thank not gonna you. give I'm not gonna give away too too much because I hope I hope if you if if my listeners if you're listening go ahead and buy this shit. It's not expensive and it's well worth it. Plus, you're supporting an uh, a writer. In this uh, in this crisis, artists, I think we need to support them more, especially now, um, because most of their, I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the time it's it's usually word of mouth or going to different venues and different events and stuff. But considering there's no events no more, or even venues to be able, go ahead and support your local artists um, and all that. However you want to, however you guys want to take that, do it. Um, I'm definitely gonna leave the link in the bio or in the uh the episode and i'm gonna go ahead and leave it on whenever i post it i'm gonna go ahead and do that as well so that way um hopefully people can go ahead and buy that book because i i liked it a lot and i don't if i don't like something i'm not gonna lie and bullshit i will basically say why i don't like it or whatever but if it's something i like i'm gonna go ahead and vouch for it um and this is something i'm vouching for so if you guys can scrounge up some change um don't eat that takeout for that one night. Go ahead and buy this book. Um, I think that 
you'll appreciate it as well. Um, and on top of that, it gives you something to do um, while you're stuck in quarantine. What's the worst that could happen? You read a book and you don't like it. All right, well, tell him why you don't like it. I'm pretty sure he'll understand. Um, yeah. He, he already I'm said it. He's like, tell me why you don't like this or tell me why you're mad. Tell me why something that I did made you mad. So um, I'm going to definitely leave leave all the information for that for you. So I'm hoping people can go ahead and do that. Are you a, sure, you're a yeah. is that a Raiders is that a Raiders hat? What happened? Are you wearing a Raiders hat? Of course I am. Bruh, stop. Oh, bro, don't get started. All right, this interview started. this interview is over. Um, <laughs> so I realize that this is not a podcast episode. This is an interview, and seeing as how my uh, the person I'm interviewing is a Raiders fan, yo, I'm, I'm gonna go have yo, step back for a little bit. Being a Raiders fan for life, don't even start, bro. <laughs> I feel I feel sorry for you. I'm sorry for you. It's okay. Let's, let's let's let's. I mean, but you live in Nevada, so what what are you gonna go for? I also lived in San Diego, but I was never a Chargers fan. Oh God, please don't be a Chargers. I fan. I was never a Chargers fan, no matter what. I've been a, but I've been a Raiders fan since birth. Oh, okay, that's that's great. I enjoy it. So <laughs> I feel bad for you. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> I feel bad for you. Okay. You know, so I, I was I was raised on the Raiders. My kids aren't. Uh, well, my daughter might be, but my boys like to talk trash about the Raiders. Wow. For some reason. Because my wife's a Steelers fan, so. Hey. Okay. Uh, That's the best. Garbage. The best. Garbage. Bro, come on now. Garbage. Stop. Hot garbage. Hot garbage with your weak back freaking quarterback. Look. Look here. <laughs> With our weak quarterback, we have still won Super Bowls. I'm not going to bring, I'm not, and I'm not talking about the other four. I'm only talking about the two, the 2005 and the 2008. With him, we're good. Okay. Now look, I do. That's all my wife's going to talk about. No, but I do. I'll tell you this: as as a true Steelers fan, I will say that we need to get rid of him or at least put him somewhere in a mentoring position, so that way we can get a quarterback and he he can. Teach, teach someone new. Because at this point, all of the old quarterbacks that I used to watch are all starting to get old. And it's really, it's really yep. weird. Like, um, and I was just thinking about this about basketball, too. Um, like, when I was growing up, like, do you remember um, Vince Carter? Yeah. Yao Ming. Shaquille O'Neal. Yep. Uh, Jason Kidd, was yep. it? Um, like, even, even Allen Iverson as well. Um, the Kobe, like all those, like the dirt, like, come on now, like all these different, um, these different players, they're all starting to retire. Like they, and it's not because mm-hmm. they don't, they don't want to play no more. It's just they're old. And for me, it's really weird yeah. trying to like keep up with sports because I don't want to, maybe I'm selfish in the fact that I don't want to have to pay attention to like the new school, you know, like it's really weird, but like for well, like back in high school, we were so enthralled about who was playing and then who was coming in. Like, remember the excitement about Reggie Bush coming from USC yeah. and going into the NFL? Like, that was like, that was our time to, like, when we enjoyed sports. But it's the same thing with my dad. Like, my dad, he doesn't really pay attention to, like, who's playing. He pays attention to his team. Yeah. You know, so it's not, it's not about who's on the team. It's about the team itself. And it's, it's, it's pretty much becoming that for us. Yeah. You know, I... I'm, I I love the Raiders. Like I know the same thing with you guys. The same thing with us. Uh, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. And it'll be what they need to do, which is what it seems like they're planning on doing. Which I think is the same thing that's happening with the Steelers. Is that they're put somebody behind that that number one quarterback, our our franchise quarterback, have them learn for a year or two, and then go ahead and take on the man. So that way you can end up with a great quarterback. And uh, I think that that uh, for Ben Roethlisberger, that's, about, that's been due for, for quite a while. Um, although I can't hate on Ben. I mean, I'm, I'm really a fan, but I can't hate on Ben because he's, he's, taken, he's taken that team to heights. Like, he's taken that team to multiple playoffs. He's taken that, you know, and he's, he's wonderful with that. Yeah. You know, and... And 
So looking at that and thinking of that, you know, it's it's imperative that with teams such as those with offensive coordinators built the way that they are and coaches built the way that they are, you put someone behind that coach, you put someone behind that quarterback that can learn the way that things are so that way they can jump in and already be ready. Because a lot of people, like at least for the Raiders, say, they're saying, you know, get rid of, get rid of Derek Carr, get rid of Derek Carr. I'm hearing that from everyone. But the thing is, is that, yep, get rid of Derek Carr, but then we've got to wait a couple of years before we teach this other quarterback from from jump how to be able to play in this particular offense. And that doesn't make any sense in the long when you're playing the long game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Football is always playing the long game. And that's the way that the draft is. That's the way that every draft looks. Uh, even if you get someone from the draft that looks like, uh, that you know, looks like garbage that might have been picked up, you know, sixth or seventh round. Like, uh, like, uh, what is his name? Ah, I will forget his name. Uh, even though I hate him right now, uh, 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 freaking Brown. Antonio Brown? Uh, yeah, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was picked up on the, as much as I hate Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown became one of the greatest receivers in the league. And he was picked, what, sixth or seventh round? I don't, I don't even remember, to be honest. I don't. He, like, he was like, probably like, up there, though. Was, Let me... Like, I don't know, acting like I can't look it up. <laughs> for real, for real. I'm over here saying, yeah, I don't know, but uh, I can look it up easily. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Anto- but Antonio Brown wasn't, wasn't a first-round draft pick. Antonio Brown was picked up and thought of as, as a person that... Yeah, he was. He was sixth-round. Yeah, you're right. He was. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were looking at him as, as depth, and he ended up being the greatest in the league. Yeah. I, I hate Joe Brown, but I can't, I can't hate on his work. I think you, know you I hate mean? on him for his antics postseason. Yes. Not, yes. Like, not on, on the field. On the field, he's, he's good. He plays. I think it's the same with kind of um, like an Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. Yep. puts in that fucking work, but his, his uh, what is it? Not even like his attitude, but his um, his te- not even his temper either. It's just the way he he gets uh too excited, I guess you could say, on the sidelines, you know. And yep, when that starts to happen, like for example, this last season when he was playing for the I believe the Browns, it was cool. Yep. He was he wasn't getting as much uh yards though as he as he's normally used to when he was with the Giants and stuff. And I could understand that's frustrating. But at the same time, like you gotta ride with your team at this point. You're already there. Yep. You got you knew what you were signing up for, and you gotta you just gotta ride that shit out. And I think that's the thing that uh, I think that's what I don't like about Antonio Brown. He was great when he was there. He could have easily been continuously playing for the the Steelers. But excuse me, but he needs to like calm that shit down. He's just too he's too much of a risk. You know, and I feel that's... like I feel like after listening to back in back in last season, um, after listening to what last last off season I should actually say, uh, after listening to the the what Le'Veon Bell was talking about when he was talking about the 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 Steelers back off Steelers, you know what what was going on behind the. That's what made me understand that it was it wasn't just Antonio Brown, but it was it's and it's kind of something rampant across the NFL in general. Is that um, you get somebody great and you give them that favoritism? Yeah. Don't. But like when you have somebody great already, like before, I forgot who it was that was already playing. But um, but. They, you know, they weren't giving him the same love until he actually started doing well, and they started to see what kind of gem they picked up. Yeah, and uh, I think that's kind of what goes off with most teams. You know, we, I feel with the Raiders, we look at we're looking at we're trying to pick up a bunch of people so we can have a decent squad with with that can last us for next five, six years, especially with us moving to a new stadium. 
So we're looking at we're looking at that rather than oh let's find the next Hall of Famer. We might pick up one. We might pick up we might pick up one Hall of Famer from from the postseason, but you know from free agency. But we're not looking at and I think most teams I, I know the Steelers are because I can't help but listen to the Steelers stuff because of my. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's more about more about building for the next five years rather than for the season. You know. Yeah, it's well because the Steelers are very um, the they're very much into supporting their head coaches. Like we really yeah. only had a couple of, of head coaches to be honest. I think it was like maybe three we've had total, including Mike Tomlin. So. Yep. And that's because they're like, all right, look, through the good and the bad, we're just going to go ahead and stick around, you know. And I think that's the thing. Like, I don't I don't think that a lot of teams outside of the Steelers are able to go ahead and ride with their coaches and be like, all right, this is what we're going to do. You might have had a shit season, but what are you doing to go ahead and, and bring that back? What else are we doing here, you know? So I think I think because, like, when, when people – when they have bad seasons – they immediately say, oh, throw that coach out. We're going to go ahead and get somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Sticking to your guts is always a great way to deal with situations like this. I mean, look at the NBA. Like, most of the time, you have a coach in the NBA, they're going to be there for a good little while. You're not looking yeah. at jump coaches for, like, every year, like the Raiders did for a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, you're, you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love my I may love the Raiders, but I know I know when we're at fault. I know when we do some stuff that don't make no damn sense. But but like it's um the places like the NFL, places like the the like uh like the MLB, like baseball, you don't hear about people switching coaches every every year. Yeah. You know? You they're they're in their long term usually. Baseball. Yeah. You know, they they like a coach is their long term. Like we've had coaches in, in in baseball, you have coaches die playing for their team, coaching for their team. Yeah, they're just, like, they're just so old that they've just been there for like yeah. that long. Yeah. But I think it's the build of it's the build of baseball. Like baseball is built for the long, while basketball and football they're not built the same. They're not built for they're not built for you know you can you're you know once you age out you age out. You know what I mean? Yeah. While you look at like it's the same thing with boxing. Like you don't, you don't, you have people that are like super, super old at in the in the corner for some boxers, and you're looking at these people like, man, like, can you even throw? Like, can you throw a punch? Like, I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared I don't think. Life. I think with the boxing though, it's not even necessarily the can you do it still because you don't need to be able to necessarily do it. You, as long as you can explain it and you can, because I think boxing is a, is a different sport in itself because, for example, in football, you don't need to actually have been a player to understand what you want to do as far as plays, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It helps. Don't get me wrong. It does help. And the same with basketball. It helps if you've been a player because there's been players on the NBA who, who have transitioned from being a player to now being a, a coach. You know, and it helps because yeah. you've been in it. But as far as boxing, you don't, I mean, your team is pretty much your corner. And that's only like maybe, what, four people? A couple of cut men. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, your your trainer. And that's it, your coach. And so I think with that, if you have a coach who's been in it, then they know exactly what to tell you. All right, look, I see you getting tired in this round. Go ahead and gas, like get yourself together, compose, do what you got to do. Keep slipping this or keep, you know, keep keep jabbing away or however it is because they've been through that. But, like, how do you tell a whole team? Like, for example, if I'm comparing it to football, I can't see Mike Tomlin going out on the field and, look, I've been in this situation in your shoes where I've been this lineman, I've been this receiver, I've been this quarterback, you know? You can't, I mean, it's hard to do that. Obviously, you can rally a team, but when it comes to boxing, I think that's why you're able to have that longevity, you know? I feel like, on the contrary to that, that's the reason why you have your head coach, you have your defensive coordinator, you have your offensive coordinator, you have all these other people on the team to do those exact jobs, to be to walk in and be like, 
you know, they rally their linemen up and they they tell them, you know, this is how you deal with this situation yeah. when you're down when you've been down three quarters. You know, this is how you deal with this situation when you, when you just threw three picks and you're starting to lose your uh, your confidence in your arm. You know, in the middle of the game, this is how you deal with um, this is how you deal with uh, having a defense that's fast enough to keep up with you as a receiver. You know, this is how you deal with this cornerback, like a, a, a person that's this this type of that that has this type of arm and your defense can't keep up with it. You know, you're you know, especially when you have you have teams where uh, that can deal with that can deal with the short throws, but that can't take the deep throw. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like I feel like on the contrary to that, um, they kind of groom uh, coaches are kind of groomed for that to focus on those things like in, but they're but they're sectioned off to deal with groups of people at a time versus having the one head coach being able like Mike Tomlin being able to tell everyone, you know, this is how you're going to deal with this situation by himself. He has other people in his corner that are able to kind of help with making sure that the job gets done the right way, whether they're an offensive built or a defensive built coach. Yeah, I feel you. I can, I, can, I can get behind that. I see how you can say that. I just feel like, I guess, I guess within, I guess within the media though, when a team loses, they don't say often, Oh, what was your defensive coordinator doing? What was your offensive coordinator doing? Why weren't you all winning? Like it's usually the head coach yeah. has to deal with it. I guess. And obviously that's why it's called head coach, but you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think, okay, I guess it comes down to the blame game in the different sports. Does that make sense? So, yeah. like, for example, um, this whole season for the Steelers, everyone wanted to blame Tomlin and say, oh, get rid of him, get rid of him. And then they're like, oh, wait, we won a couple games. Go ahead and get get him. So, it's like, it's, it's really weird. The Steelers fans are fickle. Hey. You can say hey. hi. Hey. How's it going? You gonna say hi? Hi. This is my son Aiden. What's up, Aiden? My son Tony's in the background. Somewhere. There he is. Oh, I see him. <laughs> you gonna say what's up? What's up? Hey. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't see your splits, baby. I can't. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> hey, baby. Daddy's on. Daddy. Daddy, be right back. Okay. All right. Go lay down. All right. Yep, those are my boys. Yep, those were his kids. Um, like I said, unfiltered. I don't care if they if they show up. They show up. <laughs> gonna keep. I'm gonna keep that in there too. I'm not gonna edit that out. <laughs> hey, I I expect I I expect nothing less, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my kids need to go down for a nap. So is nap time? <laughs> so um, we're hitting around the 45 minute mark. Is there any last stuff you want to talk about? Anything you want to plug in here before we, we start to dip out? Uh, two things I want to plug. Uh, the first one is uh, definitely check out that link uh, that you're going to catch from from your boy James. He's going to go ahead and post that link about uh, my book, Indecent Exposure. Definitely check that out. Uh, that That is a definite support your local artist. Um, uh, well, uh, yeah, even wherever you're at, Definitely look around and support your local artists. A lot of us are struggling. Uh, our actor friends, you know, uh, my wife was on tour uh, for a, doing theater on tour, and her tour got canceled uh, over a month before she was supposed to come home. She was on a six-month tour, and it got canceled. And that was income. That was paying rent. Hey, and sorry to interrupt. So, so what happens when that, like, when those types of situations happen? Does she still get paid out? Or is it like an insurance type, uh, I guess, uh, or something depends, to cover her? It depends on the theater. It all, uh, when it comes to acting, it always depends on the theater. So, for Savannah, uh, she was uh, fortunate to be with a theater that was able to pay out a good chunk of what they were going to make. Uh, while on tour, because she was getting uh, per diem, she was getting her her regular uh, amount that she was getting uh, on the norm, you know, because she she was getting paid. Uh, 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 dang it, me and words are, are struggling. Says the writer. Uh, <laughs> it's all but, good. <laughs> I'll, I'll do some filler yeah. until you can find the words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she uh, she gets paid. She got paid a uh, a salary. 
while she was on tour. Uh, so they were, because she was a salary worker, they were able to take care of her, um, but not, uh, not as much as she would have been getting uh, the whole time while she was on tour uh, because she had a whole nother month to go. Um, other, other theaters that pay, um, they pay if they can. I mean, a lot of these theaters only are able to pay depending on the amount of tickets that they sell. You know, so, but a lot of these, uh, as well, a lot of them pay out of the goodness of their heart and they take care of the artists that are around them and make sure that they're all taken care of. Um, so I would, uh, in my wife's case, she was able to get taken care of somewhat, uh, but in, uh, in other actors' cases, they're not able to get taken care of the same. There's a lot of friends of mine that were booked for, you know, gigs upon gigs for the next couple of months that won't be looking at anything because we're probably going to be sitting in here until august yeah you know what i mean so that's a few shows that's a that's quite a bit of shows that's not even a few shows that's a whole summer season right or and spring right because because there's spring season and summer season right or am i wrong no you're right okay so so the thing is is that let's uh most shows run about two months yeah you know, that's a typical length of a show. Now, there are shows that will run a little bit longer. I've seen shows run three months. It all depends on what theater you're working for. But the theaters that pay, like in, in this case, um, they, they're they only able to pay usually based off of ticket sales and pre-sale. And if they're not able to pay that, then that's it. Like, yeah. that's all. The, they can't pay these actors that have been waiting, you know, that have been in rehearsal that have been working their asses off. Um, and then you have these theaters, these smaller theaters that don't, that aren't able to pay their actors, but they just need to be able to pay to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these places aren't able to pay anything because they were staying open based on patronage. And a lot of these places aren't getting patronage anymore because of what's going on. So they're trying to go online. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, when we mentioned the cabaret, that was to support one particular theater. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of things going on where theaters are trying to do, trying to stream videos and things like that in order to be, uh, in order to keep their doors open, to keep the lights on, to be able to open up another season so that way they can earn. And it's, it's really difficult, uh, for the artist community, but for all of the artist community, I should say, um, because all of us are struggling. Those of us that paint, those of us that are builders like myself uh i'm a i was a scene carpenter for quite a while uh building sets for stage uh those of us that do all of this stuff there's a lot of people out of work because of what's going on and we got to support our actors the same way that we're supporting the people that we uh that we look at as non uh non-essential uh workers yeah because those people support and our artists need support as well yeah I agree. Um, I definitely do. I think I think that's something that not a lot of people are talking about, just because I don't think it's something that a lot of people think about. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that if y'all, if everybody who's listening, if y'all can go ahead and support your local artist. Um, I don't know how. I don't know personally how to to figure that out per se. But if they're still selling books, still selling whatever they got, then go ahead and buy that. Um, Fuck it. Ask them for their Venmo. Send them five dollars here and there. Something. Give them. Give them some work. Give them some money. Um, uh, I was telling a friend. Seventy five dollars. <laughs> Shit. I wish somebody sent me seventy five dollars. I would. I'll make them a whole entire song just for them. Record that shit. Produce it and everything. I got them. <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like I mean, for me, what I've been doing is even just the patronage is support. The more viewers that are watching, the more viewer, the more ears that are listening in the podcast, uh, the more that we that we show our support by just being present yeah. is what supports our artists. So, um, so just just being a person that's listening to your podcast is is support because that's going to get more people. Me, I, you know, me saying something about this podcast can get somebody else to listen, even just one. Yeah. So it's always, you know, with going back to the word of mouth that we were talking about before, like it's always important to to push, you know, and we all have everybody has somebody 
that's an artist somewhere in their family, somewhere in their friends group. You know, they they have a bandmate that just lost all their gigs, you know, because of this thing, things like that. And you can support them by buying their merch or even just by going on their YouTube and listening to what they play. You know, that's always important. And I think that if, if we all chip in and just patron and just be patrons to each other's art, that's important, you know, and that can help, especially in times like these, you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, yeah. If y'all listening again, like I said, um, I usually, I used to, when I very first started this, always wanted to have like a quote or something to leave my listeners with, but I kind of stopped doing that a long time ago. Um, but I guess the, I usually try to leave like a message. So last time um, was just, you know, love those around you, support them and whatnot. Again, it kind of just carries over into this one too. Support your local people. Um, don't be moochers. If you got friends who are doing things, pay for it. Because that is the best way you can support your friends. Don't ask for it for free. Um, I might have been yeah. guilty of that myself personally. But now that I'm a little bit older, I realize, all right, it's like pay 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 your friends for what they're offering because it means more than to ask for something for free. Um I could have asked him for a free book, uh but I would rather support. I'd rather give him my money and make sure he knows like look, I'm paying for this. I want it to go to you, you know. So if y'all got friends out there who have services um that you might use, might need, might go ahead and and have Pay them because at this point, um, and and even after this is all over and we're said and done with, make sure you still support those people because it it shouldn't take just a, a crisis to go ahead and support those around you or for you to want to go ahead and reach out to people. Um, I think that's something that a lot of times happens is that we go ahead and once something happens, then we make a, a make a move. You know, like when we when we uh, when we lose somebody. We make that move, you know, or we, we feel like we need to go ahead and say this. Like, try to live, try to live a little bit better, you know? Yep. Um, Support, support them while they're here, man. Support them while they're here. Exactly. So I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode, um, of the unfiltered progress podcast. It's been your boy, James, the man Sanchez. I don't know. What do you, what do you go by? Uh, you know, I go by Nate. Nate. That's what it's going to be. Uh, if you're looking for my book, it's Nathaniel Jones, but you can always find me at uh, Nathan P. Alfred anywhere else. But, uh, but yeah, so you you know how to find your boy Nate. Yeah, I'm gonna post I'm gonna post all the links everywhere, so that way they're able to be uh, he's able to be found. Uh, with that being said, again, it's your boy James Man Sanchez, it's your boy Nate, and we out of here. Peace. Bye.